Welcome to the TX Water Polo Podcast. Again, James is out and about, you know, traveling the world, doing his thing. Um, today, our special guest on this special pod is Greg Meskold, the Director of Communications with USA Water Polo. Greg, how are you doing? Joe, doing great. Great to be here. I was bummed to hear this is audio only. I'm wearing my Bucky's t-shirt to go full Texas mode. Everyone should know that. And uh, thanks for having me. People just uh, people just liked our podcast a, a couple extra times because you called out Bucky's. Um, for those that don't know, uh, Greg was here a, a year and a half ago, and he had no idea what Bucky's was. So he was here for the tour of Texas. He went around and interviewed a bunch of people from Texas and made some great videos. And I said, you have to go to Bucky's. Like, oh, whatever. Yeah, whatever. And hey, it was pretty impressive, wasn't it? That was amazing. As someone who grew up in uh, the Northeast, so that's Wawa Sheets territory, Bucky's is a whole other dimension. I do enjoy chain restaurants, and this is not a restaurant, but it does fall under the chain category. And so I was very happy to get in there and see what they're working with. And uh, it's unreal. I mean, just a massive, and it was the one in New Braunfels, I believe, yep, which yep. is like the king of the of the Bucky's with yes. like a hundred gas pumps and a target attached. Uh, it was it was insane. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. It is. It is something to behold. And people, I actually take people to Bucky's whenever they come in from out of town. They go, hey, you hey, you're go to Bucky's. You're a bad host if you don't. So I mean, it's like, yeah, here, let's go to a gas station. Okay, let's go. Come on. I mean, it doesn't make sense, but people love Bucky's. But uh, but here, but for people that don't know, Greg is the voice and the face of USA Waterpolo. You guys have all seen him on the counterattack videos. He does. He's the person that's out in front of JOs doing all the interviews every day of JOs. He's also on the, uh, <clears throat> uh, like he's the voice of a lot of the NCAA games out there and all and all the and all the national team games. So I mean, just kind of give us a sense of kind of what you do with USA Waterpolo. Besides all that, yeah, it's a lot of it. Uh, it is really different on different days, and you know now we're talking during a pandemic, so it's 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 a whole other ball of wax, right? And that's a lot of uh, Zoom calls and Facebook lives and Instagram lives and generating content and social media posts, and we're still doing Skipshot Magazine, and so it's those things uh, during this time, and then a little bit of that during regular times as well, as you kind of touched on, setting up all of our webcasts of national team games, calling a lot of those games. Uh, working on our magazine, which comes out uh, four times a year, all of our social media, uh, overseeing all of our video efforts, anything public relations wise, so any stories, interviews that have to do with our national team athletes or, or things that relate to the kind of organization. So any sort of public communication that's not necessarily membership communication. So uh, things you might get about you know, member renewal or that sort of thing is, is, is more membership department, but other stuff, um, as it relates to the website and social media, that's really all, all my area. And it uh, continues to kind of evolve and grow each year. And that's what's made it exciting and interesting. I mean, yeah. So, and I don't think many people know that I actually worked full time for USA Water Polo back in the 2000, like the late 2000s. And that's actually whenever you and I kind of started together about the same time, right? And, yeah, I mean, it was uh, a much a much smaller staff back then. Yes. Yeah, but you were you were you were one of our growth uh, growth folks uh, as the country. I think they had it back then divided into three regions, uh, and and you were one of those uh, growth specialists. Yeah, yeah uh, Liz Grimes and Kai Palchikoff and I. So there you go. And uh, Greg and Greg started there, and um, Greg stayed with the organization. I left after a year and a half back then, <laughs> but I mean. Obviously, the organization, you just kind of hinted at it. It was a little bit smaller. Just kind of, I mean, it's come a long, long way over, like, just over the last kind of decade plus. I mean, it's, I mean, I just, I mean, 
obviously, you know, over the years, you know, I've been in and out of USA water polo, like, you know, working and not working or zone chair. And I mean, it is a much different and much better kind of kind of organization now. Just kind of tell us a little bit about what's improved and added on over the years. Yeah, I mean, so many things. You can go in a different a number of different directions to talk about kind of the growth and the professionalism that has occurred. I think some people point to numbers. And so back in our day, I want to say membership was around 25 or 26,000. Just last year, for the first time, it was over 50,000 plus. And so that's just kind of a, a tangible look at growth as far as membership goes over, over a 10-year period or so. Um, but then you talk about things like the Olympic Development Program and the way that that's been built up and expanded and uh, high-level opportunities for people across the country and uh, coach and referee education and development and play opportunities. Junior Olympics has become just the the event in water polo. If you're talking about the 18 and under crowd, uh, largest water polo tournament in the world. Um, I, and I know as we're talking now here in early August, it, it hasn't happened the way we would have wanted in 2020 uh, just yet, but it is it, it is a massive entity and something that everyone looks forward to. And then just other new tournaments, Welcome to Texas, uh, Dare to Dream, bringing other events to different parts of the country, places like Indianapolis, Arizona, Hawaii. Um, so the list goes on and on. You know, it was, it was a situation um, back in 06, 07, right, where the organization was really able to turn around and get out of some financial turmoil and get into a more organized structure. And that has been the foundation for all these great things that have happened since, not to mention success abroad with the national teams, yeah. especially the women's national team that has become uh, just the juggernaut in women's water polo. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, uh, and you've been with it the whole time. And I, and I think you're a very important piece of that whole big puzzle because obviously back, yeah, back then there wasn't as much social media as there is now. And I think that's been a key ingredient, just kind of spreading the word and kind of, and that's, you know, I do a lot of growth stuff, but, you know, that right there is just the tip of the iceberg of growth. I mean, everybody wants to be on, on like on the social media, but you also came and we just kind of hinted at this kind of earlier. You came to Texas in April of 2019. What the tour of Texas, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you traveled around and I said, are you sure you want to do all this and drive and stuff like this? I mean, just kind of, just kind of talk about that trip a little bit. Yeah. Very uh, ambitious trip that Joe put together for us, uh, myself and my, and my, uh, partner in crime, Cherise Smith, who does all of our great video and digital work and is uh, really the key behind so many things that people see and like on the USA Water Polo social media channels. Um, I often joke that I just interview the person and then she does the other 90% of the work when it comes okay. to making things look pretty. But yeah, we, we uh, wanted to go and really just highlight Texas. Obviously, tons of excitement around uh, the UIL announcement and the way that high school water polo is going to have an opportunity to grow. And then just the way that club water polo and water polo in general has grown throughout the state. And so uh, with the help of you, Joe, we put together this really great kind of itinerary over, over four and a half, five days or so where uh, we started in the Houston area and really covered that well and got a chance to visit um, over at NASA and then go to different clubs and pools. And then we flew from there down to Harlingen and checked out the whole Rio Grande Valley area and how that's growing really, really strongly and how the schools there have kind of committed to, to putting resources into water polo. And it's, it's not the water polo that you'd see in the Olympics, but it's people that are passionate about getting the chance to play. And as far as I'm concerned, that's just as good as water polo anywhere else. So if oh, you're, yeah, me you're too. into it, you want to play and you want to do it, I'm about it. So uh, we were thrilled to talk with those folks. And then uh, we drove the rest of the way and we drove north from the Rio Grande Valley. I-35. Uh, there you go. Yeah, and north. We, and, oh, good, man, we saw it all. And so we ended up 
trying to remember now, I think we went to San Antonio and we saw a facility there that's beautiful, just a, an outdoor uh, palace for aquatics, for people that know what Stanford looks like. Um, this, this is a very strong aquatic facility in San Antonio that has that mixture of indoor, outdoor, uh, Texans know weather permitting, right? Depending on the time of year, when you can be outside. From there, uh, on to Austin, uh, Austin, Texas, because then we, we, we would later go to Austin College where we got to visit uh, with Longhorn Aquatics and some other athletes there. Then up uh, in the Dallas area, then up to Sherman, to Austin College, a relatively new program there to visit with some of the athletes and coaches. Um, and then, and then uh, more, more coverage in kind of the Dallas-Louisville area, which we had been back in 2016. And so it was all-encompassing, and it led to a bunch of great stories. We met so many good people. Uh, we, we learned there is a deep love for Whataburger, which I already knew. Um, and uh, it was just, it was just a, great, a great all-around experience to meet so many people in so many different parts of the state that have such a love for water polo. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the videos that that came out, I know I shared those constantly and that was actually an important piece because I know that got in the hands of a lot of school admins for the UIL adoption. They were just, they just saw that. And I mean, that was huge. That was huge. Just getting the word out and kids were so excited. Yeah. Just clubs were excited. Afterwards I got them. I got, why don't you call us? I'm like, Oh, we can't hit everybody. Come on. <laughs> and then, okay. I'm, I'm glad you're repping Bucky's with the t-shirt. But I have to say, I don't like Whataburger. There I'm surprised you you're admitting it. You're the one that lives in Texas. So I do not you, like you Whataburger. You just took your life in your hands right there. In and Out Burger, Five Guys, not Whataburger. I've maybe I just had a bad experience one time. The dirty Whataburger, I don't know. But back in the day, it wasn't all that great, and it's still not. So you you would have thought we were filming like a commercial on behalf of Whataburger with the amount of kids that told us when I would ask them because I think I asked every single. Kid that came across, what, what do you love about Texas? What makes Texas great? And there were so many people that responded with that. It was like it was a plant, but we did not. Yes, we did not yes. Ask I actually thing. accused Greg of actually planting that with the kids, <laughs> and I go, "No, this cannot be possible." But no, it was it was actually true. So we should get some money from Waterburger for pumping it up a little bit right now. So well, well, in fairness, them they were they were very kind to us in, two, in 2016. Uh, we yeah. did a great story with the NBC affiliate in. Dallas when we were at the FINA event in Louisville and uh, they they rolled out the red carpet for us uh, with the anchor who had been there Chris uh, Gutierrez at the at the Fox sorry the NBC affiliate there um, he helped where we were able to go to Whataburger and film a whole story there and uh, they gave us uh, lunch to kind of shoot the thing and it was basically Adam Krikorian's uh, first first experience at Whataburger documented on local television to the point where that story was so well received that he was stopped like the next day. Someone just yelled at him from the across the parking lot and was like, coach, did you eat the burger yet? So people were really into it. <laughs> and that's probably his last experience with Whataburger. So there you go. <laughs> but um, but uh, I mean, that was a, that was a pretty epic little tournament. I mean, I know that was one of those tournaments that got thrown together a little bit because I know that there was a site that got canceled. And I still remember John Abdu calling me and goes, Hey, do you think you might be able to do something? And I go, sure, let's make it happen. So that was a lot of fun. I mean, those six teams, the six – this is the Phoenix Intercontinental Cup that happened in February of 2016. Uh, all six teams, I think, played at the Olympics. And it was some high, high-level water polo. It was, it, was, it was great. I mean, we had a ton of fans up in the stands. I mean, you kind of, kind of looking in – I think you came and did the play-by-play, -play, right? Yeah, yeah, we were there for the entire time. And we uh, announced every game on a live webcast. We had – 
tremendous coverage too, as we talked about earlier, you know, part of it's webcast, but part of it is, is kind of securing local media, every major affiliate in the Dallas market, which is in the, in the top five in the U S one of the largest markets that you could get as far as coverage. And for those that don't know, right, every, every TV market around the country is measured by, by size and reach. And so New York city would be one LA two, uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, I believe is five. And so to get that level of coverage, you can associate value with that when it comes to kind of a monetary cost of, well, what would it cost for us to pay for commercials on those networks? But in the case of news, you don't pay for that, right? They come and tell their, tell, tell your story for their newscast. Every major affiliate, NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox, all came at least once. The NBC affiliate, now it helped, we were in Olympic year, was live every night from that Louisville pool. So uh, the excitement around those games for that week, uh, really, really hard to top. And then you factor in the hospitality of the folks that helped put the event on, right? Because as you know, right, it's a, it's a team effort. You don't, you can rent a facility, but then you need everyone else to show up and make the thing go. And uh, really just from start to finish with food and volunteers and the whole thing, it was just, you know, as good as we could hope for. Yeah, shout out to North Texas Thunder that hosted that event. I know I was part of Thunder back in the day. I think there was even a chocolate fountain in the hospitality room. That does sound familiar to me. Yes, I mean so. I mean, it, I mean, it was it was definitely nice. And I mean, and it was. I just thought that the number of fans in the stands. I did not think that we were going to have that many, but we were packed almost every night. Yeah, I mean that that was great, and uh, the women's team so good about doing autographs, and you'd have these large crowds afterwards that would stick around to sign uh, posters and water polo balls. And then later that year, uh, we got to come back to Texas with the men's team to go to University of Houston, and again the crowd there packed. And this doesn't happen all that often, but a lot of times the teams will stay after a game and they'll and they'll hang out and they'll sign autographs at that game. And I'm I'm not trying to exaggerate here, but I feel like every single person that attended the game stayed to <laughs> meet the team. So this autograph session went well over an hour as oh, everyone was just lined up like in the lobby and out the door to try and meet everyone that was part of Team USA going to Rio. Yeah, I mean, that was, uh, that was, that was, I mean, they were there for a week prior training too with Montenegro, right? And yeah. I mean, yeah, that was standing room only. We actually had a groups of people at one end of the pool that they, that they just wanted to get in and on their, and on their toes, just watching a little bit of water polo, which, you know, I don't think that I would have ever thought that that was going to be like that. So. It was awesome. I was just bummed. I didn't get to see more of those trains as you mentioned, because right as that was going on, we were finishing up a series, the women's national team. I want to say maybe they were playing Russia at Stanford. And then once that ended, I was able to get down and see, and do the very the very uh, last exhibition game there that USA Montenegro right before Rio, but just a just a great scene and uh, stuff we're looking forward to doing you know in different areas around the country next year with the Olympics kind of deferred or postponed until 2021. Yeah, I mean, I mean now, I mean you've been around you know for the last you know 10 about 10 15 years now. Um, I mean you've seen Texas grow a, a, a little bit. You and I talk like you know kind of kind of here and there you know and. Uh, Thoughts on just being like an outsider kind of looking in thoughts on the whole, like, like Texas growing, good things, bad things, stuff like that. Yeah. Be honest, be honest. honest. Come on. Sure. Sure. Well, uh, I think as you said at the top that uh, my job is communication, so you're going to get nothing but rainbows here, but it is truthful. (laughs) Uh, Look, I think everyone is thrilled that Texas is growing in water polo. When you think about sports in Texas, you think about great athletes. I think 
as a non-Texan, I would always think first about high school football. And wow, there's such a passion for sports there and for, for high school sports. And there are so many great athletes that come from Texas. You watch the draft in, in any of the major sports, right? And it's like another guy from Texas. He's from this area, whether it's Houston or Dallas or San Antonio or somewhere else around the state. So there are so many great athletes in the state and trying to grow a sport like water polo, uh, it seemed like a perfect marriage, right? Why not try and have a sport grow in an area that has an appreciation for athletics and has great athletes? And now that those two things have kind of converged, and then you get the schools behind it, you get people like yourself, other clubs behind it and growing it, yeah. uh, there, there really isn't a negative. You know, it's just one of those things where um, now, now you're at a point where you just want more people to be involved uh, more adults to be engaged, right? To be referees yeah. and to be coaches and do all those great things so that all these student athletes that play, they get the best experience possible too. Yeah, we've had just a, we've, yeah, we've had a big old growth here the last, yeah, the last few years. I think those, those events back in 2016 really helped jumpstart it and give the sport a lot more validity. And uh, I mean, yeah, we're just, I mean, there's been a lot of growth. It takes the village obviously for uh, a, a, a lot of people to, like hands are, are kind of are part of the process, but um, we still have so much more growth to do. I mean, I just, I mean, I just look at DFW. There was one club 10 years ago, right? Now there are, are about seven clubs up here and there's still parts of DFW that still need to grow. And the same thing down in Houston. Then we talked about the Rio Grande Valley. That's going to grow and blow up here. Still got El Paso way out there, you know, mm-hmm. over, Oh, like just over in West Texas and everything between. So um, I just, I just appreciate kind of all your efforts and work. And I mean, I know during the whole COVID and the pandemic here, you've been staying busy with all the at home with USA water polo stuff. Oh, we, we have uh, been, been busy as can be, especially uh, our first round of at home. We went for 15 weeks in a row doing a variety of interviews, we probably had four to five live interviews uh, a week covering all kinds of topics. We had live workouts, uh, our national team staff doing coach instruction, workouts, uh, meal prep, uh, how to cook something live, talking with high school athletes, college athletes, really kind of checking in with everyone around the country, uh, including high school athletes from Texas, about their seasons getting interrupted or canceled or postponed or getting pushed back uh, to the fall or now the spring. Just really felt like, you know, it's interesting, you can do this a long time, but it wasn't until a pandemic where you felt like for over three months, it was oddly the most immersive experience in the water polo world because we're hitting on on every area of the sport. There wasn't a state or a a role in the game that wasn't represented in what we were doing there over, over 15 weeks. And in the most recent skip shot magazine, we tried to reflect just a, a pinch of that. It's like, how do you, take 15 weeks of stuff and put it into three pages in a magazine. It's, it's not really all that simple. Right. So it was just a little bit of a sampling of what went on. Um, and then try to kind of keep that momentum up with sharing things on social media. We're finishing up a, a great two week uh, session now called why we play kind of just focusing a bit on water polo, but a bit on sports in general, really good conversations that have gone on there. And then we'll come back with some more stuff in the fall as we kind of wait and see uh, where things go different states or in different places, but definitely going to come back with some more stuff uh, probably mid-September as far as uh, new new materials and other content to share with the community. Yeah. I mean, uh, like one of the driving factors of me having you on here was I, I, I had a conversation with a local coach here 
And he was like, who's Greg Meskel? Like, How do you not know who Greg Meskel is? Come on, this is like, he's the, again, the voice in the in, in face. So I want you to, let's plug the USA Water Polo social media stuff here. So please go at it. <laughs> First of all, I, I always love to be humbled. So, uh, and, and, and there are a lot of people that are involved in the sport that do great things that don't watch our stuff. That's fine. We, we would love to check it out, but it doesn't, uh, it's, it, it's not a requirement uh, that you recognize all of our work, although it is appreciated. To Joe's point, our social media, real simple. Everything is at USAWP. So Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at USAWP, same for YouTube. And a lot of that content is shared. There's stuff going out multiple times a day on all of those avenues. And that's also where we're sharing some of the calendars and things like that for some of the uh, planned content that we have coming up as far as interviews and replays and that sort of thing. And then Joe mentioned the at-home series. All USA Water Polo members received a, a weekly Monday email that kind of outlined the schedule for the week. So I imagine we'll get back into something like that come the fall where everyone who signed up that's part of our membership group will get information about what's coming and how to watch. And uh, if, if you're a member, it's uh, part of the experience. Yeah, I mean, Greg and his staff has done yeoman's work for, I mean, since mid-March, everybody's ended up going home. I think they ended up working even harder. So, I mean, they just didn't have as much travel as what they normally did. But, I mean, it is, it is, I mean, they put out some great content. So, please, again, that's at USAWP. That is, that is the social media platforms. Um, something else that you kind of had to reset a little bit was, you know, it's a year out from the Olympics in Tokyo 2021. Or is it still being called Tokyo 2020? Still, still officially branded as Tokyo 2020, even though it will take place in 2021. So now uh, just tell us a little, a little bit about what happened. I think it was like a week or two ago that y'all had just the one year out kind of celebration and kind of a, like a bit of a media blitz. And yeah, then, it was a one, one year out round two. So we did all of this uh, a year ago in, yep. in the summer of 2019. Uh, the USOPC and NBC do a great job of really building up the, the one year out mark. And then as you get closer to the 100 day out mark, that's really what we were looking at. We were making plans for 100 days out when, when COVID hit and uh, everything was shut down. So once everyone kind of figures out which end is up and that the Olympics won't be happening and they'd be kind of coming to a close here shortly under the original schedule and they'll actually be next summer, then you kind of go back into a different planning mode. And so for the teams, it was kind of a halt to their training as they waited to get back in the water and now modified training and then waiting to see what will happen going forward. And then from kind of our standpoint, yeah, it's been an adjustment because you did a lot of things that were very timely for an Olympics that were going to happen this year. And so how do you recalibrate? Because you told stories of a certain experience leading into an Olympic Games that didn't include a pandemic, that didn't include uh, such a focus on social justice and reform, right? Those are two things yeah, that right. now you can't, you can't talk about the experience going into 2021 without uh, recognizing what's gone on in 2020. You know, so many interviews were already done. There's been so much uh, promotion already recorded by the athletes, but even just talking to some folks in the media recently, they were even saying, well, how do we, how do we use this stuff that we recorded back in 2019 when people's emotions and feelings are so much different today as they move towards uh, the next Olympic Games? And no matter how you feel about it, right, everyone has been affected in some way and will have a different opinion. So um, yeah, I think you're going to see probably some of that stuff get uh, adjusted or new interviews done and maybe try to combine that with some of the stuff that's already been done. 
Um, and that's kind of where we're at too. We've had to kind of slide our schedule a little bit. There were events that were going to take place that now get pushed to 2021. And uh, this is one of those times, you know, Joe, it's like being out in a water polo game, right? You got to be ready to adapt and uh, oh, yeah. you might find yourself up two or down five and you got to figure it out. So. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's definitely a little bit different view on the world. I mean, I know I've watched a movie and I'm like, Oh look, they're shaking hands. That doesn't happen very much anymore. Um, I mean, it's just, yeah, like, you, it's, see, it's, you see a commercial, everyone's out to dinner together, giving hugs. And you're like, I'm jealous of this Applebee's I, commercial right I now. No, I'm not. I'm, yeah, <laughs> of all places, Applebee's, there you go. But, but, but uh, I mean, I mean, so, I mean, I mean, good luck on all the, on like on the Olympic preparations. I know it's not going to be an easy task, but I know you and your staff are definitely up for it. But I mean, on a different little slate about adjusting and adapting any insight on the men's NCAA seasons that are coming up. I know everybody's hasn't really made their full decisions yet. So. It, it just, unfortunately doesn't, I just don't see how it's possible because the majority of the conferences have already said they're not going to play. So I think as of today, we're talking. I mean, they're only, not going to play. It's going to be postponed, correct? Correct. There's just, just the, that, that there won't be water polo this fall. So yeah. what, what it looks like after that, and there's been different uh, thoughts, right? The CWPA yeah. has talked about, well, could we do the men January to March and then the women March to May, something like that. I'm not sure every other conference has specified what they would like to do. They just know they're not playing starting in September when usually the sport would get underway. And so with so many teams already taken out of the mix, I don't really see how you have an NCAA championship this December for the men. Um, so it's just, it's just unfortunate, but th this is, this is the name of the game, right? Operating in uh, you know, what everyone believes to be is the, is the most health, most health conscious uh, way and the safest way for everyone to kind of proceed. Um, and so that's kind of where we're at with college water polo. It's unfortunate. We saw the women have their season cut short and now, uh, the men are a bit up in the air and it's, uh, you know, I, obviously for people like you and me, right. It's like, we want to see these games or go to them or call them. But, uh, you know, I really feel for the, for the athletes, right. That have their whole college experience kind of thrown up in the air right now. How do they juggle their academics and what they were planning to do? And does that mean they stay longer at school or do they just miss a year? Same for the, um, the college coaches that are a bit in limbo. And then, you know, sadly, right, for some of the programs that we've lost already, uh, Sonoma State, George Washington, um, on the women's side, um, just just unfortunate result here of what's kind of gone on nationally. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, it, yeah, it's rough. It's not like, you know, a basketball kid or, or a football kid at a big school and they can just, oh, yeah, just do a fifth year and we'll pay for it or something like that. This is a lot different. I mean, there's a lot more things at stake. A lot of those girls that played or the women that played, they're they like like the seniors they may not come back next year they're probably not going to come back next year because they're going to go off and they're have a job or what have you so we we, we talked with some seniors from uh, women's college water polo earlier this year and there were a few that were were going to give it a go they were going to they were going to plan to come back and then others just said that's it this was my last year and the challenging thing is that it's very different school to school conference to conference uh there hasn't been that that all-encompassing guideline for everybody at every level and every sport and so it's been a little bit of uh, everyone for themselves at a certain level within conferences and schools and that just makes it challenging it's not yeah. you know it's uh, it's 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 not one of those things where anyone 
has the experience of having done this before, you know, so there's not a thing where someone can say, how could you not do that? Because this is how you should do it. It's hard to know. None of us have been through this. Yeah, I mean, it's a big, just, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just like society. It's a big uh, kind of a TBD out there. It's mm -hmm. all to be determined. And, it's a giant and, TBD, and, yes. and then it's going to happen. And then it's going to change two days later. So, um, and we will see what happens kind of moving forward. But I mean, I mean, on a little bit more of a positive note from the NCAA, um, this past May, they did uh, decide to have the NCAA rules kind of be the same or change them so they match the USA water polo rules. So now we have the high school rules, the USA water polo rules, and the college rules for the first time ever, all the same. I think it's going to be great. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's fantastic. Uh, first of all, it's good for the sport to have consistency across rule books. And one of the common questions, and I'm sure you've gotten this too, when you're trying to explain water polo to somebody, they want to know what does that whistle mean and what's going on here and why did that happen? And you only add to the confusion if you then say, but in this sport, you know, in, in high school, it means this, but in my club game, it's this. And then if you watch the Olympics, it's that. And so uh, that's very helpful. I think just for, for fans, for athletes, for referees, imagine being a referee trying to say, wait a minute. Okay. I mean, this is a college game. Okay. I got to do, but I also ref FINA and I also ref this, what am I calling right now? Yeah. I know just calling games, calling international and calling college. I will often before a game talk to the referees, even though I've seen these games a million times and say, okay, let's just review. <laughs> so on this, we're dealing with this. And then when this, this happens, uh, just so we're kind of all on the same page because it can get confusing. And so I think it's great that we get everything more streamlined and, and just one as close as we can get to one set of rules. So uh, just from my coaching background, anything that makes it simpler for the referees is better. So there you go. But, <laughs> so uh, great true coach, yes. But like, but I mean, be, yeah, but be honest with you, I mean, kind of one of the best kind of rule changes I like is I didn't think I was going to like it at first, but where you have to actively put the ball in play and make sure the referee sees it and, yeah, and make sure the fans see it and make sure all the teams see it, that right there we just brought something that was, oh, it's three seconds or it's a, or it's a reasonable uh, amount of time. It's now it's black and white. You just put the ball up and everybody has to see it. If they don't, it's a turnover. It's easy to understand for the athletes, the coaches, the refs, and the new people that are watching sport for the first time. Well, you know, it reminds me of, of uh, in when they would talk about in football, the idea of they must make a football move. And people would say, what's a, what's a football move, right? To make sure that this is still a completion. And uh, after the ball was struck, it wasn't a fumble. And it's, it's, it's similar to what you're describing, right? In a, in a reasonable amount of time, right? This is very much up for debate about what these things are. And so the more you can remove uh, any sort of ambiguity on these rules, the better it is. Oh yeah. I mean, and that's all day in, and yeah, just, I mean, it's going to be great. And um, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I mean, it's any sport like, like, you know, football, basketball. I mean, it is the simpler, the better, but you know, the powers that be sometimes try to make it as hard as possible. And in this case, they've made it much easier and I'm looking forward to it. And as far as the NBA, you and I are both big NBA fans. Okay. Yeah. Love, love the NBA. I've been watching a bunch of games uh from from the bubble here i i was watching scrimmages i was ready i'd watch a single man just shooting free throws at the, at the free throw line after, <laughs> did you after watch the horse competition by the way i did that you know that was <laughs> tough to watch and i kind of liked watching that horse competition it's funny you mentioned that 
I, I wanted to like almost post that around to everyone who talks about uh, the ease of streaming water polo games and saying, just, just show it, just, just put it on. Just give me one camera and show it. You have the NBA and ESPN. That was them trying to produce horse and people's driveways and backyards. And you saw how challenging it is to do live production without all the, all the equipment that you would like to have in, in that scenario. Um, but yes, I did, I did watch some of it and, uh, it's tough, you know, an indoor personal gym is going to beat the driveway hoop, uh, every, every day of the year. Yeah. It's interesting that, yeah, that you, I didn't, I didn't put two and two together and think about it. Like, Oh yeah, that's like, I mean, I did think that there was some interesting production value there mm -hmm. at the horse game, but I mean, water polo's perfect. Yeah. I think water polo's kind of production value has just gone better and better each and every year. Obviously the technology kind of improves, but so what are the challenges kind of on that side and behind the scenes for those that don't know? Well, one of the big challenges and the cameras have gotten better, but cameras don't pick up things in water the same way that they do on land. And so just because you have, you know, if you think about football or basketball or, or soccer or whatever it might be, that is a surface that's not moving, right? So it's not, it's not fooling the camera as it's trying to focus in. Water polo has that problem where it's a body of water that is moving while things that you want to follow are moving within the moving thing. And so uh, that's been a challenge for cameras over time and they've gotten better and better. And then you take the elements into it, sunlight bouncing off the water, shadows. We've all seen the pools where one goalie is in the sun, the other goalie is not in the sun, that sort of thing. Um, or if you're indoors, right, acoustics, the sound, those sorts of things. Um, but that's gotten better and better as cameras have evolved and, uh, production values evolved and all that stuff. But those are, those are some of the challenges. And then for me, and, you know, having, having a background in TV and, you know, and working in that, I've always wanted to see the games produced at a certain quality. And so for me, just to have a single camera up, up top, just kind of panning back and forth and maybe you get the score, maybe you don't, that just as a fan and as someone who's, who's into this is not an enjoyable experience for me, for something that we're trying to showcase. Now, if that's the way that someone shows a high school game, that's great. You know, if, if, if this is the best way that I understand budgets and everything, and this is the best way that a game can be seen so that the parents can see and the grandparents can see and, there, and there's some footage of what happened, no knock on that. But we're, when we're trying to showcase the sport to get people engaged in it and involved, uh, we, we want to see it at a higher level, right? And so, that's kind of where, where I'm always coming from with the water polo is I would rather do it right or not do it because I think then it's a disservice to the sport. I agree. And I mean, and I mean, Greg, I have to applaud you. I mean, I've seen and listened to some of the games and you're a one man booth. You're the play by play and the analysts and you do a top notch job out there. I mean, that can't be easy. You know, well, thanks. Thanks for saying that. I, I would say it just it's like anything. It comes with practice. Right. And, and it didn't start that way. You know, if you think back to or if I think back to some of the earliest games I ever did, they did not sound good. Uh, it was it was not a pretty picture. And it's like anything. If you want to get better at it, you need to practice and work at it. And then eventually it gets to a point where you feel pretty comfortable with it. But like anything, you're still trying to work at it and still trying to get better than whatever the last thing was that you did. Yeah. I mean, and I'm sure that you at one point probably had to be cameraman, um, the stat guy and the, you know, and the announcer all at once. Right. So, I mean, yeah, it's uh, you know, 
definitely that as you as you get going, you know, then you have to kind of build your build your way up. So yeah, but but haven't you done? Um, don't you do other sports as well? Yeah, a bunch. I've I've done a, a ton of other sports. Um, everything from college football, college basketball, uh, winter Olympic sports, uh, biathlon, cross country skiing, um, ski jumping, soccer, volleyball. Uh, kind of runs runs the gamut. Uh, I've done some field hockey, so really kind of up up for anything and everything. And it's it's fun to kind of dabble in those and get a chance to challenge yourself to kind of prepare for something new and exciting. So could you imagine like 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 all the NBA games that are in the bubble right now? All all the announcers are not necessarily at the game. Could you imagine announcing a game not at the game? Totally, because uh, that's that that's how uh, not all the productions, but some go, uh, not everyone is at the facility. So you're often doing things, you know, what they call like a remote broadcast where you're in a studio or in a booth and you're kind of watching what's going on on the monitors and then calling it from there. And you're getting the audio from the venue. So you do get that sound like you're there, but it, it is different than being uh, in, in the actual place, whether you're at the field or courtside or at the pool or whatever it is. Um, it's certainly, I think every broadcaster would tell you it's much more fun to be on site and to be able to hear those things and interact with everybody. Um, but y- you can have a, a really, really good broadcast too remotely and uh, make sure to bring that energy and that excitement to it as well. Yeah, I mean, it, and you just look at the NBA games and you look at the, M- like the Major League Baseball games, and I think NBA games just blow the Major League Baseball games out of the water right now. Like the ones in the bubbles and like they don't like, I guess the NBA has the virtual fans, right? Yep. The Major League Baseball has the cardboard cutouts or something like that. And I, I, I was shocked and surprised at the production values like that were there. Yeah, it's, it's been different, I think, for both because for the NBA, it, it is a controlled environment. And so a lot of people are getting what they would call in the Olympics like a world feed. And so – Networks aren't bringing in their own cameras, and this is probably getting too in the weeds on broadcast uh, production for the Texas Water Polo Podcast. That's but, all right. <laughs> okay. But uh, so everyone is essentially taking the same feed of all these great camera angles and then kind of working to include their graphics and that sort of thing. Whereas in baseball, the games are happening at individual stadiums. And so I think I was reading that there's, there's a sharing of most cameras but again, it's, it's not the same opportunity that the NBA had where you could say, okay, we're only going to have three venues within Orlando and we can go all in on just all kinds of cameras that we normally couldn't have because we'd have fans. So if you've watched the bubble games, they have the one camera that you see actually a lot of aquatic events for FINA. It's on, it's on a track and it is running the length of the court following the action. And then you've got cameras all over the place. It normally wouldn't exist because it would be blocking fans. Not, not a problem here. Baseball, every home stadium is in use except for the Blue Jays. And so they don't have all these bells and whistles, right? Maybe if yep. it had been a bubble environment, you would have seen it go that way. I think the NHL in Canada has been able to do the same thing where a single or, or a small number of venues, and then you can really ramp up the production value. It's why the Super Bowl always has the most amount of cameras. You always read articles about the Super Bowl. We had 110 cameras and 57 microphones, right? Because it's the ultimate. They know it where it's going to be, and they can plan accordingly. Yeah. So talking about the NBA, so, so who's your pick for the uh, NBA championship this year? You know, that's hard. I, I, as I've done more uh, 
media work. You know, I grew up, as you know, a Knicks fan. I know you grew up a Spurs a Spurs supporter. You're a man of Spurs supporter. Um, you find yourself kind of just taking it all in, right, and not giving predictions or voting for one team over another. So that's kind of where I've landed, where I just really now enjoy watching the games. Like, I'll, I'll watch almost any game that's out there um, and just kind of see how different teams are operating, players. You know, if you had to pick a favorite, right, the, the Lakers certainly look like um, one, of the, one of the teams to beat just because, uh, to use an old swim water polo analogy, right, they had this great taper for uh, a group yeah. of guys that yeah. like LeBron, right, that are a little bit older, so they get a chance to not really tax the body the same way. They're able to kind of rest a bit, ramp up with eight games, and then go right into a playoff drive. It's like by the end of those eight games, they might really be hitting their stride. So that's one group uh, from, from the West. And then uh, you have to like the Milwaukee Bucks too, although they've had some some interesting uh, losses as of late. They just lost to a very shorthanded Brooklyn Nets team in a recent game. So yeah, it's it's, it's you know it's hard to say. I don't I don't I don't pick any winner, but uh, like everyone else, I can I can look at the teams and see who you think might might be a favorite. Uh, and of course, to keep it Texas centric, you, you have to think the Rockets could uh, be there as well. Um, in the mix, but uh, I, I, I saw Dallas just yesterday. Uh, Luca and Chris Stapps, they're a tough one two punch. So, Luca, Luca is great. Yeah. Luca, Luca is great to watch, and they're going to be good for the next 10 years. Yeah. And the Rockets, ugh, I don't know. I'm a Spurs fan, so I can't like the Rockets. So I can't, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I can't do that. But, you know, if, okay, if the Spurs don't make the playoffs, which is, which is a probability, um, I am, uh, I would really love to see the Toronto Raptors win again. Okay. To see, I mean, it's more of my anti-Kawhi thing. I was, I, I knew where this was coming from, but, so, uh, yeah. it so took me a second my, to connect the dots. Why yeah, you as first fan would care, but not, but now I get it. Yeah. So it's just, uh, it's, but you know, I'm just happy it's back. I was there. Was it last Thursday night? I was there watching the games. I was like so excited and, uh, just sports again, right? Sports. Yeah. Again great same same very 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 excited and uh and then and then we'll see what happens in the fall you know nfl college football still trying to make a make it happen um, yeah yeah their plans but um uh, i know one of the teams that aren't that is not in orlando your knicks is Thibodeau yeah is uh tom Thibodeau gonna fix it all that, that that's a good question uh, i think knicks fans probably very excited about him coming on board he had Obviously, uh, not a great experience. His last head coaching job with the Timberwolves, that, that didn't go uh, the way that they thought it was going to happen. Um, he has a history with the Knicks, former assistant coach there. With a team like that, the way they've struggled, it, it does feel like one of those situations where like the only, the only way is up, right? So uh, they were one of the teams that was outside of the bubble. They took 22 of 30, right? So if you were in that eight Yep. Uh, that means he had a, they had a pretty rough season to begin with. So he didn't have a chance in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I think you know there has to be optimism because it's a change. It's a, it's it's an experienced person. It's someone that a lot of people seem to think very highly of. So um, you know, as as much positivity, I guess, as you could have given what has gone on recently, is is where you might find Knicks fans right now. Yeah, I mean, I I, I like I'd love to see the Knicks be good just for you, but also just you know. It's nice to have the LA Lakers and the teams in LA and New York be good. Cause that's just, that's just better for the sport in general. There, there's a feeling that when those teams and of course teams from outside of those areas disagree, but 
for whatever reason, uh, there is a feeling that when, you know, Knicks, Lakers, Celtics are good, that's good for the NBA. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, and I'm a Spurs fan. And so, you know, whenever the Spurs win, the NBA, like, kind of loses money. So there you go. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, but, hey, Greg, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, kind of good luck with everything coming up here with the Olympics uh, re-preparation. Um, and uh, um, we hope to kind of, yeah, to kind of hear you as far as um, – as far as some games here that yeah, this winter spring for men and women's season. Um, I do, I do appreciate you taking the time. Thanks Joe. Happy to be here and uh, great to talk some Texas water polo. Looking forward to getting back uh, down there soon and making my way over to Torchy's tacos. Torchy's. There you go. Another shout out. So um, again, that's at USAWP on the, yeah, on social media. Uh, thanks Greg.